Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to the Friday edition of SWAT Radio. You're listening to Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and today in the studio with me is a good SWAT brother named Roy Deary. Roy, so glad to have you on the program today. You have been in my life for about 20 years as a brother in the Lord, and uh, you have been part of SWAT, and uh, I've enjoyed... uh, spending time with you when i'm not around you teach for me uh you are a good teacher of god's word you're passionate about god's word and i just wanted you to come in today to be able to spend a little time with me and our listeners and let them hear about god's um god's plan for roy deary up to this point and how he's led you in life welcome to swat radio doug thanks for having me yeah it's good typically on friday we have swat guys come in and just kind of share uh, this week, we've been going through Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, and he's been talking about um, servanthood and, uh, and and serving. And I know that uh, you have been a deacon. Uh, and the word we, we talked about, diakonos, the other day, uh, being there's two words for servant slave in the Bible that I'm, I'm that just pop off right away. One is diakonos. Or Diak, how do you pronounce it? You're you're the seminary no, no, trained no, guy. No. Is it uh, Diakon? Yeah, I think di- you got it. Diakonos. Diakonos, and then uh, Doulos, and Doulos is one who is a slave out of obligation, uh, and Diakonos is one who is serving to uh, choosing to serve, and so um, so we've been talking about that this week, and we live in a a world. One of our callers called in uh, from Jacksonville, um, and so much appreciate. Uh, ron calling the other day and he was just he called this a selfie generation that we have in our country right now growing up where it's all about themselves and you know jesus taught to be selfless he taught you know deny yourself which is very against that mindset so growing up what kind of influences were there in your life that taught you to serve because when i think of you i think of a servant i do i think of a guy who serves and wants to help so what helped you understand that well doug i would say um a foundational part of my life uh that may have propelled me more to be a servant is um my family got me involved in competitive swimming at age six so I had two older brothers that were going off to swim practice every day. Mom probably wanted to throw the third one into the car, give her a break. And so I just learned um, a discipline of, um, of, of practicing, of working out, and, and having a goal, having a vision that went beyond myself. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was 9 or 10 and had been doing that for three or four years, I set a goal to try to make the Olympics and that was a goal that was going to take me probably another 10 or 12 years to try to attain. And I had done the math and knew where the Olympic cycles were falling. And by the time I, se- I was a senior in college, it would be uh, 1984. And I ended up swimming in the Olympic trials. And so that, that vision, that dream sort of propelled me. But I learned along the way something more valuable than really achieving that one particular goal. And that was um, some level of self-sacrifice to be willing to make that commitment and train 
and uh, and discipline myself day in and day out, and at some points two days a week to really put in that commitment. I think that was probably a foundation in my willingness to be a servant. Well, I, I have to tell you, when I was in the Marine Corps, I went through uh, flight training. You have to swim a mile in your flight suit and boots, <laughs> which is not fun. Makes you hate swimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just especially, I mean, I was a swimmer, but I wasn't like a, a trained swimmer. I didn't. Uh, I don't. I didn't ever compete. I always hated that water in my nose thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys who do all that mm-hmm. swimming get past that. You know, people say, "Yeah, I went out and swam two hundred laps today." I'm like, "How do you just get past that?" Was there a point in your life early on where you just work through that like a endurance runner where you get used to the water going in your nose and stuff well i would say this you know you've you i got i got to go through some training with you a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and, and you talked about muscle memory yeah. right and i think a lot of things just through repetition a lot of repetition you develop muscle memory and almost an automatic aspect to that so that you're not even cognizant or thinking about water going in your nose or, or anything else it's, it's it's almost on autopilot after a while Wow. Well, I know that you swam. Where, where did you swim? University of Arkansas? Yes, sir. Yeah, so you're Suey. a Razorback, Suey. right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, you and Don. Did Don go there? Don St. Don and I swam. Don St. Dennis has been my best friend for probably 40 years. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Know, no, Don is. Don, by the way, if you're listening, Don is an attorney in town who is a SWAT brother also. <laughs> and, uh, and and I knew that they knew each other. Well, and, I mean. Uh, you talked about God's uh, grace and his imprint on my life in the, your, your opening comments. And my story is interwoven with Don on, on a lot of different levels. So we swam together, went to high school together at Episcopal High School here in Jacksonville. We both ended up going to Arkansas together. Wait, you grew up in Jacksonville? From I didn't think 13. anybody grew up here. I thought people all came here. Uh, <laughs> See, you. Age 13, my father moved us down here. He was tired of the uh, cold weather in Detroit. And uh, so I ended up going to Episcopal Primarily for the swimming, but I appreciate the academic uh, rigor there as well. Don, not quite as much. He loves, for me, he loves for me to joke with him about that. So, you know, we both aspired to swim in college on a scholarship. It's sort of every man for himself when you're trying to get a scholarship. I think by God's grace, he, we both ended up signing a scholarship with Arkansas together. So we were very good friends in high school, and we get to continue that friendship in, in college. What neither of us realized at that moment is we both need to know the Lord. Yeah. So you weren't believers in college uh, when you or got there. School. Or high school. When but you... our freshman year in college, within a month of each other, we both independently came to know the Lord. So God intersected your lives with his plan independently uh, to know, to be part of his family. That's interesting because if you were that close friendship-wise – uh, did, and he did it at the same time, around the same time frame, or was within it- a month of each other in our freshman year? Um, you know, quick thing, I'll, story I'll tell you. Our senior year in high school, we're away to swim meet in Florida. Uh, we're rooming in a hotel together, and somehow Don says something to me about him praying before his races, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom what exactly that meant. I mean, I, I didn't pray, I, I didn't know any of that. He said he prayed before his races. I said, Don. I, you know, your parents drag you off to church on Sunday morning and you pray for everybody, but you're, you, you're just like me. On Friday night and Saturday night, you're just like me. So I'm not <laughs> sure what that praying does for you. And he said something to me I've never forgotten, Doug. He goes, he goes, Deary, when we go off to college, he goes, I'm going to get you right. And I just go, okay, whatever you mean. I mean, we didn't know we were going to go off to college together. Well, the Lord needed to get us both right. But at that moment, he, he sensed that I didn't have what he had. 
And then our freshman year at Arkansas, we both realized we needed to know the Lord. And God brought somebody into your life independently of each other to do for me, that. For me, it was our college swim coach, yeah. Sam Fries. I met, did I meet him at, uh, at Eastside at, one time? You must have because yeah. his daughter, Sarah, has been there for a long time. Yeah. And Andy, their son-in-law. And so uh, Sam just passed away, went home to glory a little over a year ago. And uh, Sarah and her family honored me by having me part of the uh, funeral service and speak for my coach and uh, at the memorial in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. And then a week later, they had one in South Florida, and Don spoke at that one. So you talk about things sort of coming full circle 40 years later. The coach was instrumental in us both going to Arkansas, instrumental in my conversion to the Lord my freshman year, and then we end up both being able to speak as memorial service when he went home. Well, when you uh, after you came to the Lord or he brought you to himself – how were you discipled? Did anybody build into you? Or? Well, well, our coach's aunt, our swim coach's aunt, loved to teach Bible study and loved to sort of disciple uh, through the Word. And so our coach said to us, you know, Aunt Barb wants to get a Bible study going with you guys, with you swimmers. She would come to our dorm room, a dorm room with three floors full of guys, and this 60-year-old lady would come into this dorm room on a, on a weeknight. So she was pouring into our lives by teaching us God's Word. Uh, it was just amazing that the, wow. this lady would care enough about these swimmers, you know, 40 years younger than her, to want to pour into our life spiritually. Like and that. what was her name? Aunt Barb. Aunt Barb. No books written about Aunt Barb, but I'm sitting here looking at a product, and I know another product of her. And that just, if you're listening today, can I just say that, you know, a lot of times we look at the Billy Grahams of the world or the people that are um, on the platforms as the the ones who are having an impact. But when I see Roy Deary over here or John St. Dennis talk to them about their love for the Lord and think about a 60-year-old lady teaching them Bible at college, that's just a beautiful picture of, of how God gets his word in front of people and uses people to to speak into the lives of other people. And if you're listening and you're not spending time with people talking about God and helping those everybody needs Timothy's in their life. I say Timothy because Paul built into Timothy and he told him in second Timothy two, two Timothy find faithful men who will then find other faithful men and build into them so that it perpetuates the gospel. Far too many of us are, are content to just live our lives as consumers and not contributors. And that's chance whole point of his book is that the American church has become consumer-oriented rather than contributor-oriented. We have got to start with ourselves being contributors, serving our king. You serve the most awesome, holy, great God, the one true living God in the whole universe. He created everything. And without him, nothing would exist. Nothing would be held together. You think the riots are bad? If if Jesus Christ stopped intervening on our behalf, we would be in an awful place right now. But because of him and his intervention, and Aunt, what's her name? Aunt Barb. Aunt Barb and others like her, Roy, instead of having a life full of chaos, which is another word for sin, he has a life that he is being a fruitful servant for God. And when we come back, we're going to hear more about Roy's journey. Roy, thank you again for joining us. Hey, if you're listening to SWAT Radio for the first time, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. We're going to take a short break, 
And we're going to be right back with more of SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. You're listening to Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. And uh, we're in the studio today with Roy Deary, uh, one of our SWAT brothers. And we're just talking about uh, servanthood and uh, Roy's journey. And I, I said right before the break, if you've just tuned into SWAT, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And that has a double meaning. It's not only the truth of God's Word, but Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God wants his warriors to advance truth. And um, we are servant warriors. It's a lot different than the Marine Corps, where I was trained to kill people. Uh, For God, he's trained me to love people and trained me to serve people. And that's what we're supposed to be about. And uh, in the book we've been looking at all summer called Letters to the Church, Francis Chan, who was a pastor out in California, left his church, went overseas uh, to serve in different countries. He was in India. He was in Indonesia, I think, uh, China, and ended up coming back to bring some of the things God had taught him about his own journey and try to share those. And he, he makes a lot of valid points. One of them being that we are far too consuming and a lot less contributing in our expectations of the church. What do you think about that? Roy, you've been in church, at least with me, yeah. uh, we've been around 20 years, even good churches seem to have allowed this attitude to kind of foster, even though it may be indirectly, Weigh in on that a little bit. What do you think about that? Doug, I remember the first time I heard the idea or the concern about consumerism within the church was from our founding pastor at Eastside, Rick Bork, and that's going back 20-some-odd years. And it seemed like a foreign concept to me at the time. 
but it definitely opened my eyes to um, a level of self-centeredness or selfishness where um, even if people did decide to step up and serve, it was mostly about, you know, in general, what, what, what are you guys going to do for me? And I think that leads to a level of division and divisiveness within the church, let alone a challenge in, in raising up servants. That's just um, very, very disappointing and discouraging for people in leadership who uh, obviously are trying to cultivate as much unity and servant-mindedness within the flock as possible. Well, I know um, you have, just talking about division, I know you've been a part of churches that have had issues with pastors and uh, struggles within the church. I can remember a church one time splitting over carpet color. I mean, I'm not kidding you, because a group of people were so upset that they were going to choose a color of carpet, they divided the church. I don't know how theological that is. It doesn't sound very theological to me on the surface, but I think underneath what the real issue was, it wasn't the color of the carpet. It was the consumer mentality of the people uh, in the church to make that a dividing issue. I think Paul would roll over if he was here going, what, what have y'all done? You're splitting a church over carpet color. Wood, hay and stubble. Yeah, I think so. Well, um, so Aunt Barb took you through some scriptures. I'm sorry. And, and, and yes, yes. But in addition to that, Doug, um, another swim coach out in California. So our, so our Arkansas coach doesn't coach in the summer times. He says, you need to go train somewhere. I'm not going to coach during the summer. And he encouraged us to go out to Southern California, Mission Viejo, which is one of the top swim programs in the country. Mission the Viejo, California, where it used California. to be El Toro. Was Correct. That? You remember it well. And yeah. so there was an assistant coach out there who was a faithful member of John MacArthur's church, Grace Community Church. So he gets uh, Don and I to come with him one Sunday morning, our first summer training out there, introduces us to John after one of the services. I'd never heard of John MacArthur. I didn't know anything. And I'm looking at study materials that he had out on the table outside the church. The one that my eye was drawn to that you could appreciate was uh, the believer's armor in Ephesians. Oh, my. Because a guy standing there with a shield and a sword and the helmet – and I just went, I didn't know what, I didn't know anything. I had not been reading my Bible the first six months I'd, been, I'd known the Lord. My eyes were drawn to that particular study guide. I take it home, and the rest of that summer, Doug, I was just devouring not only that study guide, but I ended up reading the whole New Testament because my eyes were just open to how, um, how nourishing and how, how encouraging and how edifying God's Word is. Well, John MacArthur uh, is a pastor still at Grace Church, Church um, and we're hoping... Um, I have been given a preliminary, I hate to even say this because I don't want to mess it up, but I've been given a preliminary approval to have him on in the, in the fall. He, he's not doing very many radio interviews now. Uh, he's, I think he's 80. His, and, uh, his faithfulness blows me away. 50 he, years pastoring. He has been a faithful preacher of God's word for a long time. He has one of the things that I've always appreciated about him, listen, you may not agree with his theology. Uh, you may think uh, his, you know, because some people think he's pretty dogmatic about some things, but the man has faithfully exposited scripture, which explained it in the Greek, the Hebrew, he's put in the work, he's put in the study and taught it for over 40 years. And he always says this, which I appreciate my opinion doesn't mean anything unless it's correlated with what scripture is saying. If you cannot go to scripture and, and validate what I'm saying with the power of the Holy spirit, then 
my opinion means nothing. So I don't really care what my opinion is or any pastor. The opinion doesn't matter. It's God's word. And that's just so true. But today we live in a culture, Roy, that uh, is so subjective that feelings are trumping actual data and not just objective truth from God's word, but you can show people on paper two plus two equals four. Now we're being told that that's even uh, wrong. Doug, I'm hearing more and more today that there's this phrase or this concept of, well, your truth is truth. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got their own set of truth now, as opposed to propositional truth. Like you said, that's more objective and, and is held up over time. And, and the Bible you know, so many people uh, have tried to disprove the Bible. In fact, yesterday our guest, Howdy Russell, who owns Jumpin' Jack's House of Food here, while well, he, I say he's the proprietor of Jumpin' Jack's here in town, um, he said that he, he, he did not grow up having uh, an upbringing in the Bible. And he, a guy told him that, you know, let's go through and study these. So they went through three different books, and he says, do you do you have any questions? He said, yeah. So he wrote down all his questions, and they answered some of them. Some of them they hadn't answered, but he said, have you seen anything false in here? He said, no. He couldn't argue with it. And that's the thing. Most people who have a problem with the Bible have a problem because they don't like what it says. It's not that they can prove there has been nothing archaeologically or historically inaccurate in the Bible, and people have been trying to destroy it for 2,000 years. And, Roy, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I, I'm i going to stand with that truth, even if something appears to me, because it says in Scripture that Satan can appear even as an angel of light. Our eyes can deceive us. If you don't believe that, go to Las Vegas and watch a magic show. And you will actually believe things happen that aren't happening. I think the New Testament is pretty clear that until God lifts the veil off of people's eyes, they really aren't going to grasp the spiritual um, reality of what we're talking about, Doug. Yeah, I, I, I and I, I know that for you, you, you actually. So let's go back to your story a little mm-hmm. bit, okay? So you finished college. You don't make the Olympic team, right. obviously, because I don't remember seeing you yeah. in the Olympics. I got to go to the trials. But, that, but that's still pretty yeah. a yeah. good accomplishment, right? And what did you swim, by the way? Uh, I was a distance freestyler, and uh, in the trials, I swam the 400-meter freestyle. which is 400 about, meters, man. 400. That's, that's like a, mile, a quarter mile, right? right? So it was about a four-minute race. and uh, Ooh, That's a lot of swimming. Yeah, well, there, I swam longer races, which was a mile. And that wasn't very fun. But um, Don got to swim the 50 and the 100 all the time. So he, he barely trained. I like to kid him compared to the, what the distance swimmers had. To well, do. by the way, if you're listening out there and you're struggling with weight, let me just suggest you go do some 400 meters. <laughs> I, I have never seen a heavy swimmer ever <laughs> in my life. You just don't. Uh, that is such a it's a good workout, isn't it, Roy? Well, the fact that um, you're not doing the pounding on the pavement that runners are going through. Um, you know, there's other challenges with your shoulders and things like that. But I, I've, I've appreciated the fact that you're just not pounding your joints maybe to the extent other exercises. So so God used this to get you disciplined. You come out of college, then what happens? Um, came home to work for my father. He had a business here in town that my brothers are running now, um, a gated access control company, uh, parking controls. And I uh, got my business degree from Arkansas, came home to work for him. And <laughs> here's another part of Don's importance in my life within – Few, just a few weeks of being home, Don wants me to meet him um, outside of First Baptist to go to Sunday school with him downtown. 
and I, and I hadn't plugged into a church, hadn't really started going yet. And he said, I'm going to meet you outside, and I'll, I'll take you up there. He took me up there. The first person he introduced me to is an elder at Grace Community in Mandarin, David Inglesby. He's been a good friend of mine ever since then. That was 1986. And so, you know, people are going to move you along in your journey with the Lord. God's going to bring people into your life to move you along. And people like Don and David have been a big part of that. And then Don and I both had a desire to uh, to get into the God's get in God's Word. And I remember Don went to Dr. Lindsay at the time at First Baptist. So what 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 commentary should we get to study the Book of Romans? And he said Donald Gray Barnhouse's commentary. Barnhouse on Barnhouse is awesome. Four volumes and um, just had a huge impact on our life on our theology because Romans and, and a good commentary on Romans is such a launching point for learning the Bible. And so from all that, Doug, in, in the late '80s. I, I developed a desire to learn even more, and so I decided I really wanted to go to seminary and learn more. And I went out to Dallas uh, Theological Seminary for two years, not because I felt called, but just I had a desire to learn more. Was uh, Swindoll the president when you were there? He wasn't the president then. They were on their second president, Donald Campbell. Campbell, he was yeah. there. Yeah. But I remember um, Dr. Swindoll coming through chapel, um, speaking one time. Um, and, and Swindoll had a connection to CFC, as you probably know. Yeah. He married John uh, Krug, the yeah. pastor, when you and I were there. And so um, that Dallas connection with CSC and going to seminary has been an important part of my journey as well. Did you uh, did you ever have John Hanna for anything? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But he, uh, I got to know him when I was in Dallas. He was a great. He was a prof there. He was great. And then, uh, of course, Howard Hendricks. I know you had him yeah, if you went. Yeah. And the th- funny thing about Howard Hendricks is not only did, did, did most people in their early years get to take uh, Bible study methods with him for a semester, but he would always spend an evening and a night at the men's dormitory just hanging out with us. He'd have dinner with us, and then he'd, he'd do a question and answer time for three hours, and then he'd sleep and wake up and have breakfast with us. So I taped that whole the whole conversation with him because I thought, how often do you get to have a chance to have a conversation with a guy like Dr. Hendricks? I mean, life on life. Uh, See, life that's on life. what I loved about him. Hey, if you don't have Howard Hendricks' book, uh, Living by the Book, it is probably one of the what I call the best primers on Bible study out there. Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks, I believe in his son, You can get it on Amazon. It is a great book for how to study the Bible. Hey, uh, you're listening to Doug McCary from His Light Ministries with my friend Roy Deary, my SWAT brother. And uh, we want to say a shout out to all our listeners up in Virginia listening on The Lighthouse. Thank you so much for listening and sending in emails and texts from up there. We appreciate that and encouragement and uh, so glad you're with us. Also, our listeners in Meridian, Mississippi on WMER. Thank you, folks, for listening in, and uh, we'll be right back after the news. Stay tuned to SWAT Radio. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it, he's a prison shaker. Chains. He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day, 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. This is uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries with my guest, Roy Deary. Roy Deary. It's like a deer, like Dear John, but with a Y on it. Right, Roy? Yes, yes sir. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, glad to have Roy on. Roy, um, you right now, what what business are you in right now? I'm part of a uh, statewide property management company called Vesta, with a V, Vesta Property Services. Okay. And we manage uh, homeowner associations, condominium associations, and amenities, uh, lifestyle programs for communities all across Florida. Okay. Um, and and so you're in ministry with Vesta, basically. That's where you serve. I think, I think we're all called. Yes. We're all called in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So, I mean, because a lot of times people say, you know, well, um, are you in ministry? And we're all in ministry. I think... Uh, we should all one i i can't remember the singer there was a singer who used to sing for billy graham and um when he would do his things and one day i remember she said you're either a mission field or a missionary mm. Mm. you're either a, a person who's ministering or you're being ministered to right and i think to some extent um the fact that the people on the front lines need support like you doug I think to some extent I've, I've viewed my career and, and generating an income as a means of also providing support to people on the front lines. Yeah, because, you know, if you look, if you look at um, the Bible and you see Paul made it very clear, and, and I'm, we don't talk a lot about this on air because we, we, we generally, you know, you've known me for a long time. God really impacted me with two particular missionaries one named hudson taylor the other one george mueller both of Which these we have to highly recommend the biography uh, oh, on 18 by pearson oh yeah both 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 these guys both uh hudson taylor's spiritual secret and then uh george mueller uh, a million and a half answers to prayer i think or a million answers to prayer both those men resolved to pray and watch god provide and I was sharing with you before the program today how just this past week, God did that again. And I mean, I'm. It's so funny because so often in our spiritual life we think we have to come to God. And it's, I'm not saying sometimes you do intercede for a long time. I think a King David when he was interceding for his son's life, he was fasting and he didn't want to eat and he was moved to pray and pray and pray. But a lot of times I'm just going to be candid. I will verbalize a prayer to god and it's not a 15 paragraph prayer it's a it's literally a two or three sentence thought prayer to him that i i just carry my thoughts to him very conversationally and then a day later the exact thing that i've prayed for that i didn't tell anybody about would i would see him respond to that and i think well maybe he just knows that He's about to take me through something. And he wants me to be encouraged or whatever, because we do deal with challenges. Life is hard. It's really hard now with COVID and all the things going on. But 
you know, so many people I talk to say, well, God never answers my prayer. He never, you know, he always answers prayer. He may not answer it the way we want. And the other thing is I find that the more I live by faith and I trust him, I see him respond. Well, well, Doug, I think you see him respond. I think people in your life, people around you see him respond. And I think you're a huge encouragement to people like me. Um, your God stories, stories of God's faithfulness in your life, it's because you are living on faith. You know, George Mueller talked about putting God to the test, and that concept can be a little bit um, um, off-putting for some of us that we're going to test God. But his, his, his idea was that, that God has promised to be faithful. So why wouldn't he trust God to live out his word, keep his word in his life? And so instead of sharing his needs with people in his life, he just shared them with God through prayer, like you said. And I, I see a lot of that in you, Doug, and how you live your life. And you do not call attention to your needs. And, and I've, I've admired you for your faithfulness and how you live in faith. But then those stories and God's blessings that he rains down on you, you share them with people just sort of naturally as a part of SWAT, as a part of, part of living your life. And it's a huge blessing and it's an encouragement to people like me. Well, what I was sharing with you earlier, oh, I, I just sometimes I, I don't think God can surprise me anymore with just doing stuff like that. And he does. I'm just so blown away by what he does at different times. And it it can be in the midst of dealing with crisis in other areas. And he's just like a God, a God wink is what one of my friends calls it. A God wink. He just winks at you and says, I got your back on this. Or I, you know, I'm still here. In fact, I was talking with the, one of the reasons I was running a little late to meet with you is there's uh, some guys and I've talked about them on air before that. Listen, I really want you to encourage, I want to encourage you, if you're listening, I want you to pray for a guy named uh, Rick, a guy named Robert, and a guy named Gary. Rick, Robert, and Gary are three guys that have been living on the street, and I've been interacting with them for about the last year. And I was just talking to Rick. Rick is Canadian-born. He lost his wallet. It's, uh, everybody on the street has a sad story, right? Some some story. Uh, they either involved usually with drugs or alcohol addiction or some kind of addiction, or they've got a very sad story. So Rick's no different. And as I was talking with Rick, you know, it was really interesting because I said, Rick, you know I love you, don't you? And he said, yeah, I do. I know you love me. Um, and I said, well, I love you because of God. He said, no, you love me because of Jesus. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. He, he is God. But but they recognize why I interact with them because so often when we interact with people on the street, we merely give them food or give them money. You know what they love, oh, is conversation. They want to be treated like people because they are. They're all made in the image of God. And, and and they make bad choices just like we do. It's just sometimes our bad choices aren't as uh, consequential for us. And so we end up, we can sweep ours under the rug and not have to deal with it. But for them, they end up getting put in a bad place sometimes or they, they get on the street and then they don't know how to recover. But would you pray for Rick, for Gary and Robert? I am praying that God would deliver them from the demons that they struggle with and allow them to start working. They want to work. They want to be able to be employed doing something. But right now 
people are losing jobs and nobody's getting employed. You got people looking for jobs that have been employed for 30 years that are out of work now. And so, but remember them and remember that when you see people on the side of the road or people that may be asking for food, don't always assume that, that, you know, it's somebody else's responsibility. God says that if you see somebody and you have the means to meet that need and you go buy them, how can you say you love him when you don't love your brother out there who's who's doing that? So uh, I just sorry, Roy, I kind of went off on that. I, I don't even know how I got there. I was just thinking about how God provides. And, oh, I know why, because because I, I told those guys today, I said, you know, I'm no different than you. And I said, so if God can change me, he can change you. Uh, and, and so, uh, I, I just wanted people to pray. I don't know you, you, what do you think about where we are as a country right now and, and the state we're dealing with, there's lots of needs out there, aren't there? I mean, obviously from a spiritual and a ministry standpoint, yes. Um, but obviously also on a human, um, social relational level, it seems like it's certainly become more, uh, intense, more acute. Um, I've said to a couple of people in my life, even in my job, it feels like, the seams on the fabric of our society are pulling apart, you know, and there, and it's it's it's. I'm concerned that I just see this. Obviously, we've we've seen partisanship and we've seen divisiveness on a lot of different levels, but but um, it's just hard to see. Aside from the grace of God and, and Christ intervening, it's hard to see a human solution to uh, what is really ultimately deep down a spiritual problem. It's just not going to happen. You know, I was telling a guy the other day, wouldn't it be awesome if the front page of the newspaper or on your news app, whatever you get, uh, it said Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi called Donald Trump. They all three repent and say, let's work together for the good of our country. I mean, wouldn't that I mean, you, you think stuff like that. And, and listen, that's that's dealing with political stuff and obviously our government. But I, I just see so much divisiveness here. And my question is, where where are the leaders who are calling people to do that? You know, I, I know that I, I just received something yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it about John. Do you know who is it? Jonathan Kahn, who uh, there's a guy who is doing a day of prayer. Uh, it's called the return in, in September where he is saying that, we need to, as believers, gather and pray for our country. Now, he's calling on Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which, you know, contextually that was for Israel; it wasn't for us. But I think principally, it, it applies. And even uh, this week, Roy, I don't know if you know in Jeremiah, you, you probably do. In Jeremiah, I read earlier this week. I think it was Jeremiah either eighteen or twenty, where God uh, through Jeremiah said. If any nation throughout time goes away from me, they will suffer the consequences. But if they return to me, then I will bless them. Now, that that's it was perpetual in the way it said it in Scripture. So even though it was given to Israel, God says any nation. It didn't just say Israel. And I think I, I don't hear a lot of that talk right, right. right now. Right. Uh, and so uh, when we come back for the last segment, I want you to weigh in. I'm going to read it, and I want to get your thoughts about it, okay? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I'm in with Roy Deary. We're going to come back for the last segment. If you want to call in, feel free, uh, 844-777-7928. We'll be right back on SWAT Radio.
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. SWAT Radio, that was David Crowder. Uh, I love David Crowder. I read the red letters, man. But I said this the other day, the red letters are still part of God's word. <laughs> you know, you know, they're all God's word. Yep. You know, some people like to differentiate between what Jesus said as, as uh, compared to what other people say, but it's all God's word. It's all inspired. Um, by the way, I want to give uh, thanks to our producer, Steve. Thank you, Steve, for being so uh good at what you do back there appreciate all your hard work and um as steve has a charity uh if you'd like to donate it's called the steve fund no i'm joking uh anyway thanks steve appreciate that um roy listen jeremiah jeremiah and uh, chapter 18 i want to read this section of scripture to you and get you to weigh in on i read it earlier this week and I think it's very applicable, and uh, just in context as compared to Second Chronicles, what I mentioned um, they're doing in September. Verse 7 of 18 of Jeremiah says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and 
break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will build and plan it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do to it. So that's pretty clear. It says at any time. I think when he says in there now, if at any time, and he makes a distinction, he says, I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom. So he's not just talking about Israel there. He's making a statement that I believe that if we will repent as a nation, then I think God might relent and help sew up the seams that seem to be coming apart. I think exactly what is happening in our country right now is God giving America what America has asked for as a whole. And I think for... um, Anything that has to start to revive a nation, it has to start as a revival of God's people first within the house of God. Would you agree with that? Yes. Um, Doug, part of what you just said and part of what this passage touches on is the sovereignty of God. And you were talking with me about that, I think, before the program started. The idea of of God being a potter uh, in verses 5 of this passage in Jeremiah 18 clearly indicates it's a nice word picture of God's sovereignty. I think there's there's two thoughts here. There's God's sovereignty and there's a need for man's repentance in this passage that you referenced in Jeremiah 18, and I think they're interwoven. Um, and I think really I agree with your comment a moment ago, which is we're seeing God's uh, sovereign hand maybe let up a little bit and sort of, like you said, give us up to our own devices, our own desires, and uh, we know they're self-centered ultimately at the core. And... Um, Ultimately, we're going to have to turn back to God as a country to, I think, turn the, the societal division that, we, that we've talked about today uh, around. So how does that work? Uh, what does that mean practically, Roy, you think? I mean, just as I a- think on a personal level, which is, I think, in your own mind, what you were alluding to a moment ago, I think there's got to be a personal turning, a personal love of repentance that ultimately leads to some national uh, revival, national sense of repentance i think it's got to happen on an individual basis i don't think it all necessarily is going to happen all at once um but on an individual level i think god's not done working with us clearly and uh uses people in ministry to help bring that about and uh people just have to be sensitive and attuned to that and if we're just going to live in a materialistic self-centered hedonistic way i think we've dulled our senses as a country and on an individual level to even be sensitive the God's uh, desire to work in our life. And that's, that's concerning obviously for any of us. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that um, we need to consider that maybe we haven't one starting with what we've been talking about this week, this idea of being a consumer versus a contributor. Um, I think we have to, we have to look in a mirror and say, is, am I guilty of that? Do I go to church only thinking what I'm going to get out of it? Or do I go thinking, you know what? I wonder how Roy's doing today. I see Roy every Sunday, and I say hi to him, but I never ask him how he's doing. I never ask him about his family. Well, I, can I interject and say I do appreciate SWAT and your SWAT ministry for that very reason, is that it really does draw us together as a band of brothers, uh, not just to gather around word, God's Word and sit under your teaching, if I can use uh, that expression, but to also live it out, to get out in the community, 
uh, to get involved in people's lives and show that we uh, that we want to live out our faith and not just uh, do, get together and, and, and look at the God. Well, and that Bible. is that is part of it. And I mean, you were there when we worked on uh, Debbie Turpin's house. Uh, we, I'll never forget it. Yeah, we went out there and neighbors stopped and wanted to know who all these people were. And I made the statement, I think, to you, may have been another brother out there, but what if all the churches in the community said, hey, we are going to put together a list of widows and we're going to mobilize the men in this church and the people in this church to go meet their needs. I mean, her her house had some pretty specific needs that needed to be met. It was a lot like a barn raising. <laughs> it really was. Because uh, you had probably, what, thir- over 30? 30 guys came out for that. And it's amazing what 30 guys can do when they're organized and led well and they have the right attitude. And, and that place was... I don't know if it's an exaggeration to say that her place was transformed in one day. It was like a it was like a HGTV show, yeah, man. Makeover. I mean, it just really was. But but again, it's because everybody came out and served. They didn't. I mean, th- what they got in return was the sense of doing something for their king to care for people in his word. He says, care for widows orphans, marginalized. And as you mentioned, there was a collateral benefit with people in the neighborhood sort of ultimately being drawn to to Well, they wanted to know, who yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah, what motivates you guys to do this? And then you're always asked this question, what church do you go to? And I said, well, we represent a lot of churches. This is a lot of different people. And, you know, I, I again, I just, I said this to uh, Taylor the other day that wouldn't it be awesome if we were just known as the Church of Jacksonville? I mean, I, I kind of... I have this envy of the scriptures in that way and that it was known at the church at Philippi, you know, it was just a different time. I know that. And I know what we have is what God has allowed to be here. And we're not going to turn this huge ship overnight, but we have to start making changes on an individual basis, allowing God to change us first to bring us to repentance. And I know this through scripture, and you can weigh on on this, repentance, even when evil people repent, when Ahab repented, it said God relented. Mm. Well said. If that if that's not encouraging, man, yeah. I don't know what yeah. is. Yeah, to me, and again, grace sort of supersedes all that. Um, I was thinking, uh, looking at First Peter 1, 3, about being born again to a living hope. And I was, I was reflecting, thinking about being with you, Doug, today and thinking about my story and my journey. And I remember reading where John Calvin said, I think, in one of his commentaries on Titus, that there's there's a couple different aspects to grace that are not completely the same thing. There's a sense of God's grace that's about uh, getting a do-over, almost like a second chance. But he said there's also another sense of God's grace that's more about a makeover, more like Debbie's property. There's an element of grace that is transformative. And you mentioned your friends uh, living on the street and mentioned how change can happen, change can come into their life. God's grace is about changing us. It's not about leaving us where we are, where we were yesterday, where we're going to be next month. I, I very much appreciate the transformative aspect of God's grace because I've needed it in my life. I still need it every day. Mm-hmm. And so to me, grace um, definitely provides more fertile soil for repentance, for submission to God's sovereignty, uh, for a desire to follow uh, his will for your life. 
I just have a because part of my story has involved my mistakes, my my following my own desires, and ultimately God's been so gracious to me in my life. I've I've appreciated that transformative aspect of His grace, not just the do over part. Well, in fact, when you trust Christ and when you follow Christ and trust Him, it is not a refurbish; it's a tear down and rebuild. That's what he done. That's what he did with me. And if you're listening out there today, whether you're in Virginia, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, uh, Idaho, Nebraska, I know we have people listening in different places. God created you and me for a dependent relationship, but because of our selfishness and our desire to be independent of him, that relationship was broken. And because of that brokenness, God says in his word that we will forever be separated from him in our spirit, our soul, and uh, we will feel this emptiness here on earth. But when we die, these bodies die, we will be forever banished from love, from warmth, from anything good. And the Bible says God in his mercy sent Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago as a fulfillment of what God had already ordained, that he would come, he would heal the sick, raise the dead, he would He would tell people he's going to die on a cross. Then he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our selfishness. And the Bible says that if you will respond to him, allow him to come into your life to take over and change you, to be part of his family and make you do a makeover on you, the Bible says you will never be out of his family, that he forever will secure you in his family. You will be adopted, never to be let go, and you will enjoy peace in a way that you have never known, and you will never be let out of his sight or his grip. And I'm telling you, I've lived that, Roy lived that, and all you have to do is say, God, I want to turn from leading my own life today to letting you lead me. So do that. You can do that in the quietness of your own heart. we got to say goodbye for the weekend. Roy, thank you for joining us. Doug, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I hope you'll be back soon, okay? I'd be my pleasure. Hey, thank you for listening to SWAT Radio. You can listen to this or any past broadcast by going to SWATradio.com. If you prayed that prayer, send an email to Doug at SWAT Radio. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual